0: search and rescue efforts at the site of Florida condo building collapse have grown even more urgent as a tropical storm Elsa barrels towards the state right now it's hitting the Florida Keys even as we are on the air. Tropical Storm Elsa has not hit Florida in full force, but rain has begun falling. And some of the obstacles to rescue include fires, um, building debris, etc. But despite the weather conditions, responders on the site um, are putting on uh, biohazard suits and continuing uh, the search. Now, all of you likely know by now that on Thursday, June 24th, 2021, a 12-story beachfront condominium in the Miami suburb of Surfside partially uh, collapsed. Champlain Towers South, which included a penthouse, an underground parking garage, um, just fell to the ground. At least 28 people thus far that we know of were killed. 11 people were injured, according to CNN. 117 people, as of right now, are still unaccounted for and rescue operations uh, continuing. Now, we're hearing quite a lot in the news about... Uh, The building was delinquent with its 40-year recertification, and um, there's a similar tower that uh, was built around the same time that was ordered to be evacuated. But one has to look at some of the broader issues in Miami and South Florida region that are connected uh, to climate change, but also looking at the uh, the development industry and how much attention uh, they are paying on where the type of land that they build on and the type of threat that that might be to folks. So I'd like to actually just go directly uh, to our guest, Tina Gidhart, an environmental journalist who covers international climate negotiations, domestic energy policy, and sea level rise. Her work has been published by the American Prospect Grist, The Progressive, The Nation, Sierra, and Washington Monthly. Her article, The Surfside Condo Collapse is an Environmental Wake-Up Call, was published last week by Echo Watch. Tina, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, Margaret, it's great to be with you again. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. Good to have you back. Now, uh, Tina, uh, what I want to talk with you about is something that I'm not hearing a whole heck of a lot about in uh, regular coverage of this uh, condo collapse. But first of all, this this condo is on a barrier island tell us what a barrier island is what it is made up of and the role that it plays in the for or in the environment tina
1: yeah thanks thanks for the question um barrier islands i mean they're, they're not as common on the west coast um but i realize you broadcast nationally <laughs> and internationally they're islands that are that are elongated they typically run north south parallel to a shore and um, Surfside is on a barrier island, and they have this crucial function. They buffer the coastline so Miami that sits behind Surfside. They buffer it from the waves, but they absorb the shock of those waves themselves. And barrier islands consist of sand, and in absorbing those shocks and consisting of sand, they... They move, and that's a really important part of barrier islands. They, they can move towards the land. They can move away from it. And that means that they're really risky um, for construction. There's a, a professor I quoted, um, interviewed for my article, Oren Pilkey, who um, is a geologist, and he's written like almost three dozen books on um, sea level rise. That's his his area of expertise, and he's published the only book on barrier islands. And he said, um, in the interview I did with him, he said, quote, barrier islands are among the most dynamic land features. Uh, and, and for that reason, he said they are the most risky to build on. So you know, I, I just think that, that component is crucial.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the other thing, too, is the, you know, the history of sinkholes in, in, in the region, but also that that part of, of Florida you mentioned in your article consists of limestone. So, uh, tell us about that and the significance that between it. It, it basically is a, a kind to me a sort of glorified sandbar, right? And then you have limestone, and you have these developers building these huge condominiums right on top of all of this. So tell us about the issue with limestone and and the sinkholes.
1: Yeah, the, I mean the limestone and the sinkholes that you mentioned. Those are so key. They keep coming up in interviews. And it's an interesting thing with the sinkholes because people say, well, you know, people are talking about the limestone and the sinkholes. We have sinkholes all over the place in, in, in southern Florida. And that might just signal not that, hey, it's so common that it makes it okay, but, hey, it's so common and a problem that we might want to reconsider building in southern Florida. The thing with southern Florida is it consists of limestone, um, and, and and limestone is kind of like the Swiss cheese of geology. It ha, you know, it just has holes throughout it. Um, and when I interviewed Pilkey, he said that this is the most permeable and porous foundation, Miami limestone. It's, it's a specific kind of geology. And the thing about it is it allows the salt water to get in. It allows it to intrude. So when you're hearing in the coverage, you know, uh, on, you know, whether it's newspaper, radio, television, whatever, when you hear people keep talking about the corrosive effects of the salt water on the building and that collapse you mentioned um, of, of the garage, right, the columns and the pillars that had been cracking, the salt water was, is what people think helped to corrode those pillars. And the way the salt water got in so you know, one issue is, is this limestone, is this Swiss cheese. It really soaks up salt water like a sponge. So there's this issue of an increased risk of flooding from underground in the entire region. And then that's compounded by sea level rise, which you know I can I can talk about too. But I think we really have to think about, you know, with this whole issue we need to think about environmental factors as threat multipliers, like how does one thing impact the other thing?
0: Right, so tell us about that then in terms of sea level rise because I'm um, reading again your article really informative. People should check it out on Echo Watch. That the concrete that was used in some of the buildings in, in South Florida it can be sometimes mixed with salt water or sand, right? So mm-hmm just draw the line with us with the sea level rise and what is happening uh even in the building structures and and the dangers of them but also florida itself is is really facing very serious threat as a result of sea level rise so tell us about that tina yeah
1: the limestone and the sea level rise really come together in a couple of different ways and i think these are really important to consider um, in terms of some of the strategies that are already underway in order to deal with sea level rise. Um, there's two really expensive plans that are afoot. There's a four billion dollar um, master plan that's trying to build a seawall around the city's roads, um, uh, the infrastructure. There, you know, often. Um, Often in cities, you'll have things like airports, um, you know, water, sewage treatment, water treatment facilities, um, power plants located close to the water. So they have a four billion dollar project to build a seawall. They also have a six billion dollar project by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to build a different seawall. And these are ridiculous projects because of the water being able to go under because of the limestone that I mentioned, but they're also ridiculous because of the level of sea level rise that you're asking about that Miami is facing. So the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is this UN body of scientists from around the world, in their most recent report, um, there's another one coming out next year, in their most recent report, Uh, the so-called Fifth Assessment Report, they predicted about roughly 2 feet of sea level rise by 2050 and about um, 3 feet by 2100. They're known to be really conservative. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says there's going to be about six and a half feet um, by 2050. Now, Miami sits at about 6 feet above sea level on average. That already indicates it's going to be underwater. Much of the city is a mere 2 to 3 feet above sea level, Surf side sits at zero feet, zero, but just even with the water, so that means already right now, not the future, any kind of storms that come in inundate and flood the area 's buildings, definitely their basements with salt water um, there 's this thing called sunny day flooding um, and there 's been union of concerned scientists has said there 's about you know two hundred and thirty seven days out of the year, so most of it where sunny day flooding happens. Sunny day flooding is when there's, there's not, the flooding isn't because of rain, it's because of this bubbling up, right? So, you know, there's, yeah. I mean, there's scientists that really advocate, like, retreating from the coastline. I mean, Pilkey is one of them. He says nobody wants to talk about it, but... You know, he said Florida, when I interviewed him, he said Florida is the most endangered state in the nation from sea level rise, and Miami is the most endangered major city. So he's like, you know, putting these high-rise buildings immediately next to the eroding beach is just not irresponsible, not only irresponsible, he said it also prevents a flexible response to sea level rise. And flexible is, you know, one where you can just move back.
0: Right, and it, it does seem to me as though it really is putting the value of, of human life and life really um, devaluing it and putting profit and making money over it because the Union of Concerned Scientists, as you indicated, they're, they're saying that within two to three decades, Miami could be flooded over 200 times a year and mm-hmm. that uh, while most of Miami... As six feet above sea level on average, that for a lot of the city it's only uh, two to three feet. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems so. It's it's you know putting profit over over people, but over the environment because these barrier, the environmental role of barrier islands seems to be to protect. Uh, the coastline, to just, you know, work with nature in terms of creating areas of protected waters where wetlands may flourish, etc. They weren't, they're not there for some developer to make mega millions by building these huge you know apartment buildings condos on on top of it without proper regard for human life or the impact on on nature so give us your final thoughts on this where people could get information and some of the things you think people could do who are concerned about these kinds of issues tina yeah thanks for that i
1: mean i think definitely we're going to see you know what we're going to see in the wake of, um, you know, the the Surfside condo collapse is some building code reforms. I'm not quite sure what they're going to be, but you know, after Hurricane Andrew, I mean, you started at the top of the hour with, you know, the with Elsa coming through right now and just the impact it's having um, across the Caribbean. And my heart really goes out to the people in Barbados and other islands along the way, Cuba, that have been really affected. Um, after Hurricane Andrew, which devastated a region just south of Miami, the building codes were radically revamped, um, and that was in 1992. So, you know, I talked to another um, professor of sustainable development and geography, and he said this is really a wake-up call. Like with the sea level rise, you know, he said we really we need 21st century engineering and 21st century policies for 21st century environmental factors. And I think that's spot on. I think you know, it'll take a while to find the reasons um, for the condo collapse. The environmental factors you know, may or may not be implicated, but just having those buildings there in the first place is, is not a good idea. So I think that's really something we're going to have to consider. I think ratcheting down CO2 emissions, which doesn't get mentioned in the media coverage of this issue enough, um, you know, I think that's crucial. And then just retreat from the coastline.
0: Absolutely, a crisis, environmental happening all over the place in parts of Southern California, uh, temperatures are going to be 111 up to 117 in Portland, uh, Oregon, all the way up in Canada, uh, Seattle, this heat dome. I mean, even in places like Norway, Lapland, in Finland, Russia, there's a heat wave going on. So, Tina, clearly a crisis happening with our environment that we have to pay attention to. So we thank you for your work as an environmental journalist. and all of the other work you do, drawing our attention to these issues. Thank you so very much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Madam.